Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you grow up as a child that can never win with your parents, no matter what you do, how do you get back at them? We'll get to that in a bit, but first, pissing off the base commander. When I was 20, I got drafted into the army. I live in the Netherlands and this happened in the 80s. I got trained to be an ambulance driver, two months of general training and how to drive a Land Rover, and two months of medical training. After that, I was ready to take on any medical emergency that came my way. After my training, I got placed in a staff support platoon, a mismatch of different roles that are there to support the higher army staff in whatever they need. Make coffee, admin, drive them around, tech support, etc, etc. I was their ambulance driver. It was probably helpful when we were at war, but they had no use for me during peacetime. After I got settled on the base where I got stationed, I was called in by my lieutenant, telling me I had been volunteered to work at the small local military post on our base. I was okay with it, as it gave me something to do during the time I had to serve in the army. It was a small post with a clinic, one permanent doctor and one drafted right out of medical school, and several other grunts like me. Downstairs was our clinic and a few rooms to treat patients. Upstairs, about 12 beds for patients who were sick, but not bad enough that they needed to go to a real hospital. We worked at the clinic and took care of the patients upstairs. And maybe two to three times a week, I had to pull out with the ambulance we used. More often than not for a planned trip to transport a patient to or from an actual hospital. I started with the rank of soldier and I was expected to end my one year career at the rank of corporal. As you can imagine from the title, that never happened. I didn't hate working at the post. On the contrary, I actually felt I did something useful. And while I was stationed at the post, I learned many practical medical skills, having other soldiers to practice on. But it was a waste of my time. I wanted to start my career in IT and this was holding me back. I also didn't care much about hierarchy or ranks. I respected my fellow army men and women for who they were, their actions and how they treated others, not by the number of bars, stars or stripes. 
and being an actual medic on our base, I got away with that. We had no roll calls and I slept in a two-person bedroom instead of the 12-person one my platoon mates had to use. No inspections, no military training, and wearing white instead of green. Anyways, to the malicious compliance. I was tending to a patient at the clinic. He and his buddy had walked into a door, their words, and it had a glass window that shattered and cut them both up. One pretty bad, and he was treated by our doctor in one of the rooms as he needed quite a few stitches, and as the other soldier only had minor cuts, I treated him on the spot, as no other medical staff were available at that time. The slightly larger cuts I glued shut, for others a band-aid would suffice. He was sitting on one of the chairs and I was on one knee in front of him, taking care of a cut on his leg as I heard somebody walk into the clinic. Without looking up, as I was holding a glued cut together with my fingers until it had set, I politely asked to please take a seat and that I would be right there. The colonel says, do you know who I am? I'm the base commander, Colonel so-and-so. Yes, he actually said that. I can still hear it in my head 35 years later. His booming, indignant voice full of air of how important he was. I was not impressed at all, mostly annoyed by his attitude and told him, congratulations, please have a seat and I will get to him once I finish treating the cut I was working on. That was not what he wanted to hear and he started chewing me out. Finally I was done with the cut, let go of my fingers and got up. Ignoring his barrage, I asked him how I could help. The colonel said, I need to speak to the doctor, I have an appointment. Okay, not an emergency. I explained to the colonel that the doctor was treating a patient who needed urgent medical attention and that he'll have to wait till the doctor finished his treatment. He has none of it and tells me he doesn't have the time to wait. Then he orders me to tell the doctor that his 3pm appointment is waiting for him. I knew the doctor would drop everything and be running to the colonel if he got wind of who it was that was waiting for him. He didn't have that much of a spine and his career was primarily based on the colonel's input and assessment of him. But the colonel had given me an order, and I had to do it. So I went to the treatment room and put my head in. The doctor was busy stitching up the more injured soldier, and I complied with the colonel's order. I said, doctor, your 3pm appointment has arrived. The doctor, not realizing or remembering who the 3pm appointment was, told me irritably to have the patient wait till he finished and that it could be another 5-10 to minutes. He repeated what he told me several times before, to only disturb him for emergencies. I go back to the colonel and tell him that the doctor is still busy treating the patient and would be available in about 10 minutes. The colonel was not happy and told me to get the doctor now. I told the colonel that I had explicit instructions to only disturb the doctor in case of an emergency and that his appointment was not an emergency, he would have to wait. He grumbled, but in the end, sat down till the doctor arrived, and he started berating the doctor about how precious his time was and how he had made him wait. The doctor apologized and almost groveled as they moved into the doctor's office. I had to go upstairs for something, and the colonel had already left after I got down. I did get a good ear washing from the doctor, telling me I should have mentioned to him that it was the colonel who was waiting for him. I argued that it should not matter who was waiting if he was treating a patient who was bleeding all over the place, and that he told me himself that he could only be disturbed for emergencies. I never got that promotion to corporal or even soldier first class. 
still worth it. Honestly, in my opinion, although OP didn't suck up and get the promotions as a result of being a suck up, I'd say he did the right thing. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, boss told me to measure everything, lost the sale. I'm a mechanic at a national chain with the three boys. We have a service called Brake Inspection that's free. I get a 25 cent an hour commission on it, although with this company we only get paid commission if our commission earnings are greater than our hourly guarantee and it's averaged for a whole week. So this week, I'm too far behind on commission to make any, I'll just get my hourly. A car rolled in with a complaint of brake squealing. This is pretty common and isn't a serious concern usually, but people want something done, so I'll sell them brakes if they want to waste 600 bucks to get less noise. Anyways, I put the car in the air and spun the back wheel and it made a pretty bad squeal. The wear indicator seemed to be the cause. I'll rub on the rotor when the pads are too low. Also, I could see that the rotors were really scored pretty deep. Just from that alone, I knew it needed rear pads and rotors and I would have just quickly checked if the fronts were really bad, so I could suggest that as well. Before I could even do that, my boss says, take the wheels off, do a real brake inspection, measure everything. Cue malicious compliance. Now like I said, I'm not making commission this week, so it doesn't matter to me if I sell work or just hang out. So I pull up the specs for the brake system on that car, and I get to measuring everything. About 45 minutes later, my boss comes by, and I've measured one set of pads and rotors. Thickness at 8 points. Parallelism, run out. Pad thickness at 4 points. Taper longwise, across, and at angles. He asks how it's looking. I mention the rotors are within spec for thickness, but out of spec for runout, warped, and parallelism, and the pads are cracked. Basically saying it's good, but it's not. Not a real answer. He comes back after about 90 minutes total, and I'm about to start the last wheel. The customer's grown tired of waiting, and he asks me if I have a recommendation. I say it might need front brakes and probably needs rear, but I'm not done measuring. He comes back a couple minutes later and says the customer decided he wants to leave. Just finish the inspection and roll it out. So I finish up. I recommend rear brakes and suggest front brakes. The customer comes over to get the car for me and says he might come back Monday. Pretty sure we lost the sale. Later, one of the lube techs is bantering with him about how measuring everything, just what is normally on the inspection sheet, takes at least 15 minutes and the boss is saying it should take 5-10 to minutes just as I walk in and he says, not an hour, and gives me an accusing look. I just reply, you said measure everything. I mean, this really is sticking it to the boss, but let's be real, it also kind of sucks for the customer. I mean, not only did you waste time for yourself that was inconsequential and didn't matter and you lost the boss's sale, but you did also just kind of run this customer through the ringer and waste their time as well. I guess in the end, it teaches them a valuable lesson about chain auto repair stores. That said, our final story of the day is Childhood Holiday Jam Revenge. This is a small and stupid, yet very lengthy example of malicious compliance, but it felt like a huge win for me at the time and still does. I was a child, maybe 9 or 10. I'm an only child, not much extended family, and both parents were certainly doing their best, having themselves been poorly treated growing up. But sometimes, a person's best is still not ideal. 
I grew up with the kind of parenting style where the kid can never win. There was always some sort of power trip. For example, physical punishments for no clear reason that would increase in severity if I so much as asked what I'd actually done wrong. You are to never question me. I had to follow weird rules to the absolute letter that didn't make logical sense but only applied to me. My dad was the most controlling and would often try to intimidate me. Someone once said that he had a small man syndrome and at the time I guess I was the only one smaller than him. I would cop it if I didn't do exactly what he had said in exactly the way he had said it. Being pretty bright, I'd learned to find loopholes in his rules and he couldn't say anything about it if I exploited them because I'd technically done what he'd asked. This story is about one of those times. I was careful not to do it so often in case he stopped being super literal. To set the scene some more, I was a neglected child. My parents were the right-wing Christian hippie anti-vax type in the sense that I was homeopathically vaccinated. But honestly, they wouldn't make sure I took the full course of what's essentially sugar pills, so I didn't even have the claim of being homeopathically vaccinated to my name. With the ironic exception of homeopathy, sugar in all its forms was the devil. And at some points, I remember not even being allowed things like apple juice because it apparently made me hyper and run around a lot. I grew up on goats and soy milk. Not cow's milk because it leaches calcium from the bones. I couldn't be myself. I've since learnt I'm naturally peppy. So you have to understand, I was fed in a way that discouraged this. Our house was so quiet, you could hear a pin drop on the other side of the house. I had high anxiety and was depressed at a fundamental level. I wasn't encouraged to go on play dates with school friends. I wasn't allowed Barbies in case I tried to be too sexy. I wasn't allowed to watch Sesame Street because Oscar the Grouch has a bad attitude and it might rub off onto me. I would get asked by kids in my class if I was anorexic and I didn't even know what that meant. On the rare occasions I received lollies or chocolate as a gift or prize, they'd go up to the very top of the pantry, out of reach but within eyesight, for a time when I deserved to enjoy something a little special. They stayed up there for years. Typically that pile was only ever added to. Maybe a couple of times, I remember being allowed to select a single item. Literally a single lolly from a party favor lolly bag kind of thing. Occasionally on holiday, I'd get to have something yummy as a treat. But it was usually my mother sharing something with me in a close and secret way. And my dad would never know. One morning on holiday, we were having toast for breakfast. I had two pieces of toast on my plate. On the table was a nice proper jam, as well as the usuals, for example Marmite despite being Australian. As expected, I wasn't permitted jam in my everyday life, and I knew never to ask. But we were on holiday, and it was proper jam, and I hadn't done anything wrong lately, and I thought not being allowed to have jam once was stupid. I asked and was told no. I asked again, adding, but we're on holiday, and I never get to have jam, please? My mother conceded, saying something like, oh come on, we rarely go away, and it's lovely jam with real fruit, but it was my dad that decided this stuff. Eventually he conceded, yes, okay, but you can only put jam on one piece of toast. I thanked him and repeated, I can only put the jam on one piece of toast with my knife? He said yes. I clarified again and he said yes, so I did. But 
He hadn't specified the quantity or the manner in which I had to eat it. I grinned. This big, poop-eating grin. I put heaps of jam on that one piece of toast. He tried to stop me, but I reminded him of what he'd said. I took the other in my hand and smushed them both together. His eyes bugged out of his head. When I pulled them apart, both pieces had the perfect amount of jam. I said, oh wow, I thought I wanted to have my toast as a sandwich actually, but I changed my mind. Oh well, I was then able to enjoy two delicious jam toasts. The look on his face was magical. He was angry and tried to tell me off. I reminded him that he'd already confirmed a few times that I could only use the knife to put jam on only the one toast. He was flustered because I'd beaten him. My mother had a very amused look on her face and I think she was a little proud. He couldn't punish me directly for having too much jam as he hadn't specified the quantity. Technically, I was within the rules. I can't remember what happened afterwards. I wouldn't be surprised if I somehow copped extra for an unrelated thing. Most of my childhood was a weird blur, but there's always a silver lining. I learned to be very quick-witted. I'm very good at noticing discrepancies, logical gaps, and loopholes. I only exploit them if I think the person or their stance is objectively ridiculous. And even then, rarely, it's a power that should only be used for good. Thanks for reading. I mean, the compliance is great and I'm glad OP got to enjoy jam for once in their life, but can we all agree that these parents are awful? That what they were doing was practically abusive? If not legitimately? No kid should have to grow up in an existence like that where they're being denied basic human joys. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.